Good morning, and welcome back to the Explicit Measures Podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Hello, everyone, and good Hello, morning. Mike. Good morning. For and those of you morning. who are, are trying to listen on LinkedIn, I'm going to send you a quick message here. For, for some reason, the stream is not working to LinkedIn, so I'm going to throw down just a little quick um, note here on LinkedIn. For those of you who are trying to follow us on LinkedIn, for some reason, LinkedIn is not connecting to our streaming platform. Oh, well, figure it out. Kind of how we roll here. Well, we're on YouTube. Stay, gentlemen. We're on the podcast as normal. So again, if you're just listening and subscribing, nothing that we just said applies to you, except for the happy Tuesday. What was we that, do, do want you to have a happy Tuesday. I mean, it was almost cut off, Tommy, which would have been a huge faux pas. Huge faux pas. A huge faux pas, but it's all right. I think we survived. We made it. Okay. All right. <laughs> this is gonna be a, a, a wang bang of a start on a Tuesday morning. Get the uh, the juices flowing. Any 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 intros to cover, Mike? So, anything that you guys found kind of interesting coming across the uh, items here? I think there's something that's coming down the pipeline here that's a kind of going to be a larger impact to the to what you're going to be able to do. For the first time ever, uh, Tommy has discovered a README file that appeared at the Microsoft Power BI desktop samples over on GitHub. Tommy, you want to explain kind of what this is and what you found? Yeah. So have a little RSS feed for GitHub um, notifications. And mm -hmm. it looks like they there's a new update five days ago called for on the README called report theme JSON schema. This is from Microsoft, the, mm -hmm. the GitHub repo. And it was basically like, hey, the, uh, this folder contains JSON schemas uh, for Power BI desktop, which we've never had before. Um, before, if you wanted to know what was in a particular like uh, property or object, you had to look at either David Eversell's or Matt Rudy's or Power BI tips. But basically what they've added here is the JSON schema that you can add with VS Code and basically would auto-populate the right properties and validate whether or not your JSON theme file is accurate, correct, um, and will work in Power BI Desktop. So this you is know, pretty cool. This has always been a challenge because no one knows what any of all the theme properties are and making sure that they work correctly all the time. So this is the first time we're seeing anything from Microsoft come out with a standard or something that they're going to use to vet your JSON schemas against. So all of these, this is going to be interesting because it'll, I think this is going to create two problems. One, it's going to find a lot of files that people were just kind of mucking around with and it's going to, you know, help them figure out where the issues are. And then the other thing is, I think it'll make it easier for people to consume and build tools on top of whatever the schema is. Yeah, I think the the part with the uh, like, I think there's it looks like they're gonna have more than one schema file, but then you can just reference it in your in your theme file. You basically say, hey, the schema that we're gonna use is the official schema, and it's yeah. gonna allow you to basically say not just what you can choose from, like what objects, but mm -hmm. then what those <clears throat> with the switch statement to what the values are. There is one thing though at the very bottom of this readme that I was a little concerned with. Um, and it says, currently we do not support the following items in the custom report theme JSON, which I don't know if means in the schema or moving forward, but one of them is the references to dynamic content that reports support um, other than theme color expressions, uh, et cetera, which is very much what the Chicago user group was about and what the Power BI uh, theme generator by Power that, BI does. That's different though. They're talking about theme color data expressions except colors. So you can do a, an, an expression-based coloring. So colors that are based on the color palette. But it's say, basically saying like sparkline. You can't do an expression based on a sparkline item. They're not going to support those inside the theme file itself. So I read that as, yes, you can use expressions that are used in desktop, but when you're editing theme file, they're not going to accept those theme file options inside of the spec. Uh, I see, because uh, they must have just made this update on five days ago, because 
I think I sent this to you and the initially it said that you couldn't use anything that was a reference to the uh I haven't like, been watching this this page yeah. very closely. I'm not sure exactly what's changing on there over the, like the last couple days. Bunch, yeah. But it's good. I think it's gonna be a good uh, a good tool to kind of help people move along. Excellent. Um, with that, I don't really have any other intros. Any other kind of interesting articles that hit you guys across uh, this week? I'm trying. Not on to... my end. I think I just. Um, I mean, I was. I think I found like there was an, a Surface Administration one that I found very interesting. Oh, uh, Data Meerkat um, mm -hmm. came up with an article talking about data flows refreshing and monitoring data flows through your Power BI tenant. So I'll throw this uh, other article here as well. I thought this was a really good article around just talking through how do you monitor a data flow and where can you get the data uh, from that and how could you monitor critical data flows when they're running inside your organization. People are kind of a mixed bag about data flows. They work well in small data bat batches, but if they get too large, they seem to not be too effective. There seems to be other tooling that you could use more effectively. So here's, here's the link from uh, Data Meerkat talking about monitoring your data flows and the refreshes of those those data flows and monitoring that as well. Oh, this is a good article, very well written, good instructions. Um, Daniel has got a great, or sorry, Stefan is um, is the one who's uh, putting this one out. Oh no, won't let me put the link down there now. Let's try it again. Hopefully it'll work this time. Okay, hopefully it went through. There we go. Another good article around monitoring your data flows. All right, with that, you can go into kind of just kind of a couple of quick announcements here. We have a couple upcoming events coming around uh, the, the the ecosystem here. We have SQL Bits coming up on March 14th through 18th. It's at the ICC Wales, and you can get a 5% discount by using Power BI Tips 5 uh, to register for the event. Go visit SQLBits.com, and you can get your tickets there. Another great event is the Global Power BI Summit. You can visit GlobalPowerBISummit.com. This is a, a global event. It's all virtual, and it's going from the, um, March 6th the 10th and uh, it will be another great event around um, talking about leaders and experts from Power BI talking about what's happening um, in Power BI teaching education I think I'm doing like a, a 101 of visuals so giving you kind of like the, the high level view of what visuals and how to build them and I think with that those are our two main key sponsor events all right let's get into our riveting topic of today We'll jump right into what is data ops. So um, I'll, I'll give maybe a little bit of an intro here for everyone, because this is kind of one of the topics that was kind of near and dear for my heart. Um, thinking through what is data ops? How does this work and what does it mean for our organizations? Um, I think we've talked in the podcast a lot around we are kind of, as a data developer or Power BI developer, we're kind of somewhat of those, um, you're, you're kind of the, the middleman. You're, you're the person in the middle that is, I don't really own the data all the time, and I own the output of the report, but we're kind of passing things through. We're doing some modeling, uh, we're getting data together, and uh, often I feel like the data that I'm given, the person who's delivering the data is saying, yeah, it's all good, no problem, data's, data's clean, ready to go. And then I get this data, I'm like, well, did you know there's a whole bunch of blanks in these columns? Did you know there's a whole bunch of missing values here? Or did you know that you had like three different types of date time field columns in there are three different times. So in the date field, you have three or four different ways you're handling dates. Some of them are with letters, some of them are with numbers, like you're doing the word of March, but you're then other time you're using the number. Oh, three. So sometimes there's a lot of cleaning that needs to happen before we get into like the final model and build it to our power bear report. I feel like data ops, um, and I feel like it's been a buzz term a bit more frequently here recently. I think it's been around for a lot longer, uh, but I think in the recent time here, data ops is becoming a bit more interesting to people uh, and thinking about how do you generate data in a regular and routine way. I'll pause right there. You guys have any thoughts on, on data ops things? Wow, so this okay, is a relatively no. yeah yeah <laughs> wow, job, wow wow my wow, goodness like, hey, tell me up with his mouth with like a, uh, 
and then just uh, like right, hung close there, your so. other browsers browsers focus <laughs> no, on the podcast there's actually people I was, listening waiting, to I was sure seth was gonna go first and then i just there's a pause well, even though so we're leaving the, the door open yeah. for you this is a, this is a relatively <laughs> new topic for me or, or, or we'll say concept um but as we've kind of been diving into this it, it's pretty much as an approach or methodology for a lot of the problems that we said um there's a really great book or ebook out there called the data ops cookbook i believe or uh yeah the data ops cookbook and i'll put the link in there and it really talks about what is the values how, how does it merge with devops if you're used to that or agile for those who have ever worked on anything project-based that you understand this uh phases requirements um iterations and it goes really goes into what do we do from process approach and technologies that can help translate some of the software agile methods to from what we do from a data quality point of view. Now, that yeah. being said, obviously we're wanting to relate this or see how much uh, we can apply this to a Power BI and the Power BI developer a lot of it seems to be like from a t code testing to uh, data, like from maybe we'll say more on the back end, uh, a little on your front facing Power BI desktop and reports, but very much on the business logic on what would be happening from the ETL side. So I'll be interested to see what you guys have to say. Well, I, I think it is that, but at the same time, like, did, did we post the blogs from John Kersky? Um, you know, he, he's been for one shame on me. Like the first time just prepping for this podcast is the first time I've, I've uh, come across his blogs, but he's already got 25 about how to integrate data ops principles into, into power BI. So definitely like going to, going to spend more time there in, in digesting how his approach is to taking these principles and applying. So I don't know if it's strictly, just like back end, because in the ones that I was able to get through, he's he's integrating them as much as he can into the Power BI ecosystem. Um, I think what's what's interesting is to me to like Mike to your point, there's the testing, right? There's the the unit okay. testing almost of ensuring data quality that comes through reporting, but a lot of the data ops principles, um, I think, are designed around like like we've said DevOps, where you're creating a pattern of deployment that is consistent and can uh, ensure a better, higher quality product every single time. And that crosses the boundaries in Power BI because it's a tool that's designed to be very um, low code, right? And, and front facing. So yes. I think it creates significant challenges in the unique position it has which is in multiple houses in an organization you have very novice end users getting value out of it you have power users you have individuals in the ecosystem that just you know continually learn and advance in using power bi and gain benefits of using the tool and then you throw it into the enterprise space where we, we we talk a lot because that's like technically where I live a lot and Mike you're building solutions you know in big data um, mm -hmm. so so all of a sudden those become part of the framework too and it, it it is much more challenging than just DevOps I would say because typically speaking like DevOps have you have a specific environment and there are deployment strategies and there are unit testing and everything is automated from a deployment schedule perspective and whatever's released into these different environments has been structured, organized, and you know, designed to be repeatable. And trying to apply those uh kind of rigid gates into a, an ecosystem where Power BI has no mechanism to be rigid in in a lot of cases, so all of a sudden these automated principles are are now manual steps, which okay. is interesting to me. In in my my first kind of brush at this topic at a deeper level is my my initial concern is that are we trying to create 
like, do we have to create too many manual steps that are actually creating a really challenging deployment for us if we implement them all versus DevOps, which should be a very structured, all of your efforts are in automation to release yes. a, a product that's better. I, I will admit, I mean, it's, so I, having a team of people who on, on my team who work in app dev, I pretty heavily pushed my team to make sure that we learned good practices around um, DevOps and, and doing like a, a, a repeatable, fully automated way of getting code out the door for applications. So that's something that we have, we know how to do it. It's a little bit harder to figure out. I mean, not everyone understands how to do a continuous integration, a continuous deployment pipeline, but it's a very needed skill, I think. And to your point there, Seth, the more you can automate, the more efficiency you can gain from and, and con confidence you can have in whatever it is, right? I'm just, I'm just talking about app dev for now, but like, you know, if you overlay that same level of rigor on key data sets, I think it really helps, honestly, from a reliability and making sure that you have tests that prove the data hasn't changed. And I think, you know, a couple, couple areas here I want to, I would additionally add on here, Seth, I think as you talk about data ops, right? When we think about good practices in the cloud, I think what we're finding is there's easier ways to, and I, I feel like this is for me, and this maybe other people may have different impressions of this as well. It's easier to integrate Git repos with cloud-based tools. I think it just seems to be simpler, right? It's, it's easier for me to write an ARM template and just deploy the infrastructure that I need. On-prem, it's much more difficult. Maybe you have backups and deployment scripts that are working there as well, but I feel like on-prem, it's a little bit more challenging. I think the cloud space seems to lend itself a bit more to automation. It just seems to be a trend that I feel like I'm seeing. So that being said, if you can build the infrastructure with code, if you can deploy the Jupyter Notebooks or your, you know, your engineering of the code to produce the data with GitHub or DevOps as well, it makes sense to start thinking about, okay, well, how do I bring that full type of like rigor and processing into the data piece as well? What does that look like? And I think Power BI doesn't by itself doesn't do a great job of helping you build your own data ops. And I don't think I've seen any frameworks inside Power BI that do a good job. So this is one of the things I think is a challenge here. I mean, this might be more of a challenge to the community. John Kursky is like the only article that I've seen that has a really rigorous way of like going through data ops based things. But like, I don't see a whole bunch of stuff inside the community right now talking about the rigor of going through your data and making sure that it's regularly deploying correctly. Um, and I'll give an example of what I think people are going to try to, or people want. Like for example here, imagine you have a data model and in that data model, you have certain characteristics of like a, a fact sales table, right? And you know, for each month, there is a certain number, a dollar amount that you are interested in being able to track over time. So you're going to, you're going to obviously make changes to this data model over and over and over again. And you're going to add tables. You're going to add new measures, all these kind of things, right? So at some point, you're going to want to go back and say, okay, did this model change? Did I, did I break anything inside the model? It's easy to remove a relationship at some point and make stuff fail. It's easy to somehow accidentally not load data correctly for your role of security. And, and if you're looking at the role of security for a single user, you know, making sure that that's deploying correctly. So I think if you looked at your data model and said, what are the, the most important things of my data model and tried to pluck off, you know, a handful, four or five things that are very important, you would be able to, you would want to run a single query that says, okay, select all of the sales, the total sales for the entire, you know, year of last year, and just give me a single number and just check to make sure the number's right. So you have, you have to kind of like document that somewhere and then you have to run that test. And so the idea is, okay, every time I deploy a model, part of that deployment pipeline would be, okay, run my tests at the end. Okay. Last year's sales, you know, 221 million. Yes. It doesn't match. Okay. It matches good. All right. So at least that part, we have the data inside the model. It seems to be correct. And you could do a kind of, you could do a number of permutations on this, but I think where I'm going with this is to have a, a regular and easy to use framework that makes it easy for you to run those tests is the hard part because so, so you're talking specifically on the back end with the data, though. That that's could be well, even in the model though, like the model's deployed, right? So I'm talking. There's there's a couple places you can do data ops, right? You can do data ops at, and this is I think where 
maybe not the confusion comes from, but I think this is where, where we are borrowing from some of this terminology. You can have data ops on the back end in the SQL Server. You can have data ops inside um, machine learning or da data ops for you know data scientists that they do a lot of data ops as well, making sure that their data is coming through correctly. And and what I think I'm trying to communicate here is you really want to have or have the ability to be able to write tests against your data models and prove that it works. Now, I think what you were asking, Seth, is, yeah, this is probably occurring outside of Power BI, right? This is not, there is no PowerBI.com deployment pipeline thing, right? Is that kind of what you're, you're, you're mentioning there? No, or? What, I'm, what, I'm driving, what I'm driving at is your description of what you keep referencing as data ops, I think, is a part of data ops. Yes. Like you're it, you're talking piece about test, testing, testing and automation of, of data, right? Mm -hmm. of making mm -hmm. sure that the, the data is accurate. Correct. Which, I, I mean, ultimately is exactly what we, like, I think is paramount in in ev in the reason why you would implement da data ops as a process and set of practices, et cetera, or as a, you know, a full rollout would be because your primary goal is to ensure that your your data is accurate and and you have like consistency and trust in the in all the reporting that you have but i think it, let, let's i'm not going to back up a little bit but okay i, I do want to lean into the the cookbook right um for because it's new to us i think it's worthwhile and you can tell me to shut up if you don't think so i think it's worthwhile to go through the principles of data ops yeah let's do that for the for for the audience right because a lot of these i think are consistent in themes that we've talked about Okay. But at the same time, maybe like I'm not saying we we divert from you know what we want to talk about, but ultimately just lay out like what does it mean by data ops, right? Yeah, yeah. So for, first and foremost, you know, continually satisfy your customer. I think all of us are in agreement there, right? Like 100%. obviously that that that's the goal with any of the insights and reporting that we're doing. Value yep. working analytics, and this is where I think a lot of what you're talking about mm -hmm. relates to you know um, not just the insights that are delivered but incorporating robust frameworks to ensure that we have accurate data, right? And, and that is, to your point, in multiple systems. Like, Correct. do we have yes. checks and balances in the mm -hmm. source? Yes. Uh, are, like, then I can compare against my checks and balances in the model, right? Because that's a completely different framework that we've now ingested. We've got filter criteria set up on pages. We've got a bunch of different things that could affect the data output. Is it producing the results that we would expect it to? Um, then it goes on to embracing change, uh, welcome evolving customer needs, embrace them and generate comp competitive advantage, most looking to drive effective and efficient agile methodologies in communication with face to face with the conversation. So like, are, are we consistently talking to the business stakeholders? Um, it's team sport, daily interactions, self-organize, reduce heroism and i think that's that that was a big one for me right like um their description there and as the pace and breadth of need for analytic insights ever increases we believe analytic teams should strive to reduce heroism and create sustainable and scalable data analytic teams and mm. processes and i think john kursky um in one of his blogs talked about this where they were they created they were using devops principles they had created a a, a report that was going to be the decision maker for some pretty significant business decisions. So executive team, you know, meeting, and they went in and one of his people had the foresight to like capture uh, a, a, a screenshot or several like informational screenshots around the data model and where the data came from. Mm -hmm. Because the thought was um, they're going to question where like can they rely and trust on the data to make these big decisions and that person was ready with that information and could bring it up in the meeting yeah. and that's the type of like heroism because what would have happened i think he outlines what would have happened if that person wasn't there right you get into and tell me you haven't been here right like you get into insight is it right how can i somebody, trust it somebody yes. goes somebody goes where to come how from can I trust this data and and yep. you're like because you should, <laughs> you know, like, so it brings up that conversation of how do you reduce that? Well, if, if we know inherently that a report user is going to question where data comes from, is it a golden data set, right? Like, have we 
told the organization that you can trust this. We have rigor around these um, data sources. We've, you know, put our stamp of, you know, seal of approval on this one. It's good to go. Yep. Or in the report itself, is there some sort of link back to where they can look at a particular data catalog or where the data is coming from and, and know that it's good, right? I and, think this and is that important. would be, I think, something that he brings up, which is take away these like parts of heroism and they should be part of your DevOps process or your yes. data ops process. I think you also have to remove, like in this case, in this situation, particularly for that example, it's a around removing people's excuses to not use the information, right? I think, I mean, in my engineering days, right, if I was going to produce a part or make something, I would produce it. And then I'd have to provide factual data like, hey, this is a test I ran to prove that this thing would work. Like if I if I expect this part to run a thousand cycles, well, here's the test that ran a thousand cycles, like the part worked, no problem. It actually ran 2000. So like you provide evidence back to the audience of like, here's why you can trust it. Here's the tests I did. And we would write a full like test descriptions. I'm going to test it like this. Here's my assumptions. Here's my, you kind of write up those things. Not saying you have to do a full write-up on everything, but I would also think as you look at more governed data sets, as they become more important, and to your point, Seth, like if it's stuff people are making just you know critical decisions on, you know, one of those would be like the, the, the sales team bonuses report, right? Whatever that one is, right? Yeah. That's going to be a, a report that everyone's going to scrutinize. Well, I'm going to make sure it's going to be exactly right because everyone's going to have questions like, well, that doesn't look right. How do I know this number's correct? You know, I didn't do that many sales. That wasn't my customer. But all these kind of questions will come up and be able to have you know, tests or things in the background that says this is the story of the truth. I think you need a couple of those projects to be wins for people to start trusting the information that comes out of the team. But to your point that you're making is if that if if there is a need for that level of rigor, it should be just part of the process. It should be built into how you do data. Well, yeah. unfortunately, there's we are very limited with Power BI, at least when it comes to one built-in testing or really testing at all. Um, John actually has like a data ops template in GitHub, um, but it's still not necessarily that flexible in terms of if you wanted to test a model, uh, like you know a, a, a unique model, and being able to create the testing for there. But I I, I want to touch on there's a whole other side of when we're talking about not just the principles, but when we're talking about DevOps and agile development that I think we can apply more from what a Power BI developer or Power BI team is doing day to day. The testing would be great if we could set that up in an in a automated and simplistic way. Right now, it's not some something simplistic. It's either PowerShell mm. or Python. I disagree. I think I think there's ways to get around that. I don't I don't agree with the fact it's not 100% automated, but you can at a bare minimum you can set up um, a metrics report. You can know what a number is. You can pluck a number off a report page. So what what is a test? A test is going after a specific point of data in a report with some sort of filter context applied to it. Like an example I gave earlier today. What is the total sales of last year? Great, that's a number. You could literally go to a, a, a metric scorecard, pluck that single KPI off of the model. So as long as you, as long as you have a card inside the data model, you can pluck that single data point right off of that report, put it in your metric scorecard, and then you can just type in what the number really is. So to me, that's great because now I can then look at that number exactly and and build, I mean, that's that's part of the process now. And every so, time the report refreshes, it'll always get that number. Yeah. Like that's, that's what a test is though. That's a test, but that's still over one data model or one data set. Um, before saying, we get- But I'm not saying you want to do it on every report either. Okay. So like, again, yeah. I think, I think, you know, to, to, to blanketly say you need this on every single report you're ever, or every data model you're ever going to produce, I think is a misnomer. I don't think that's, if you, okay. if you think that way, I think you are missing the point of what Power BI is because it's like self-service BI yeah. to some degree. So you, there's no way you're going to be able to cover every single report coming out for every part of your organization with data ops. It's just impossible. No, no, well, no, 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 Hold on, hold on, hold on, okay. no. Once again, data testing and setting up automated tests on a data set to ensure data quality can't be done on every single model. I agree with that. I don't agree with the statement you made, which is data ops can't be applied to every single report. 
from the standpoint that it's much more than just how rigorous you are with your analytical testing. Because part of this is also how you deploy your report into an ecosystem. It's part of the process. Are you talking about governed? Or are you talking about ungoverned? I think you're, so I agree I, with you, Seth, in from, the governed from, space. From, if, if I'm talking about like governed, meaning the BI team, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Right. Like there is, what I'm there. Ar my argument with is, you is, or with the statement is, if I'm going to invest a lot in the data ops process, part of that is how do I produce reproducible or um, consistent reports? Does it mean I have to do every one of these like in depth to the umpteenth degree when I launch a report? Absolutely not. I, I don't think so. And, and, and that and that's I think that's my point, though. I think my point is you're going to have some reports that are coming from the and central agree, team. But my point is words, right? You're talking about testing of data and data accuracy, which is a component of a report, which is part of dev data, data ops. It's not data ops. Yeah, it's a part like, of it. Correct. Right. And that's that was my only point. You said, I'm not going to apply data ops to every single thing. And I'm like, no, we would. We just when we just may like cut, pick and choose depending on how much time it takes to put something out the door for a particular use case that you might say this is a new thing I'm not going to apply every, everything I did for this other model that's for the executive team versus something internal but the structure would be the same I, I agree for the central BI team but I'm saying like if I look at if I step back and zoom out at the entire organization every single person inside organization yeah there's no, going to be so no, much no, content like, created without any of that consideration yeah, like none That's of this conversation saying. none of this conversation yeah. i think impacts any of that yeah. But, but I'm. But that's what. I, but that's my point, though. It's like you know. I think people lump Power BI into this like single bucket. Like, oh, you. If you say data ops, it has to be on every single thing and yeah. and Power yeah. BI related. And I think that's un. It's an expectation you well, cannot even. You can't even hold that. We're also touching a subset though too of what data ops is, and I think where Power BI probably has a better light in this rather than because we've really been focusing on the testing. So in the data cookbook. And also, I know John goes over this uh, as well. There's like the eight challenges data analytics faces and how data ops uh, approaches mm -hmm. it. So maybe with that, I don't, he probably wasn't thinking about this in terms of Power BI Pacific. I'm sure he was. Probably, I'm pretty sure. I'm sure he, yeah, pretty sure he wrote course, that's exactly sure. what it was. Everything. Yeah. yeah. Not John. <laughs> like, every, this, like book, every, every book. blog is bringing data ops yes, to Power that, BI. Exactly. That's from John. <laughs> like, he probably had Power BI. The article from John, the <laughs> book was written by Christopher. So. There you go, Christopher. Sorry, I, 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 I heard you say ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but there's like the challenges and basically so through the approaches, and I think there's probably more here that we can explore or kind of further develop. So, for example, some of the challenges data analytics faces challenging changing requirements. Yes, like hundred percent agree. Yeah, all the time. Schedules, requirements are changing. users, poor quality, low ROI, and data is going to live in silos. Yep. Yeah, and so it basically goes over what data ops, the and the whole other side outside, even if you forget testing, honestly, there is the, um, you know, having that agile method, having a requirements list or feature requirements list. Uh, users get features quickly. You actually, you know, you go through um, a dev test prod or you go through the, like what is he called a value pipeline or innovation pipeline which basically can be more maybe wasn't necessarily exactly tied to a power bi report but something mm -hmm. we should definitely do i've been in a space where we tried to do the exact uh, scrum method towards power bi development you know every two weeks and have deliver like, something and yeah. at the time that didn't really work and I, I don't think because it, it was trying to do exactly what the DevOps team was doing, the software team was doing. Why, why didn't it work? Because with the two weeks, what we the deliverables were this back in the day, we wanted to say like have a report, turn out a report, turn out a report. Here's a help desk ticket. Those tickets should be done. So really going through, I think what really should have been modified and where it could have worked is when you have those requests, when you have what are those iterations going to be, what features are going to turn out. And I think doing a better job of that feature request list. So we're developing modeling that. I would I would say like the sorry, go ahead, Mike. I was gonna ask, I didn't understand why it didn't work. 
it didn't work because the goalposts kept moving. The, the requirements kept changing before the two weeks were up, and so therefore it wasn't able to get a report out. Is that kind of what you were saying? Well, it didn't work because in terms of what the features of the what the output was, it was basically like, oh, there's a request, so you should basically finish those requests within those two yeah, weeks. Yeah, no, no, no. Right, right. right. That, right, I, right. So fu fundamentally, like one of the biggest pieces for data ops, I think, that I will can immediately glom onto is orchestration, right? Like understanding how mm -hmm. what data tools you're using, um, when you can get done with things done, and that's communicated to the business, especially when you start to add in a lot more layers into a development cycle or a data ops cycle, you have to have justification for why you're doing those things to the business. And when, when you go through like your, your scrum methodology and why it failed, you're outlining the fundamental things that you're not implementing in those practice or you didn't mm -hmm. implement in those practices. Right which DevOps does. If you think about how it gets through the cycle of whatever you're using, whether that's Jira or some other management cycle, like you have an idea. Typically, it comes from product. The equivalent of product is our end user, albeit <laughs> depending on who's making the request, like they're not going to know all the information that you need. What product does is they have to like come to a grooming where they outline the needs to the team the team estimates how long they think it's going to like take to do it, and then it gets scheduled, right? There's a back and forth between the technical teams and the business side teams to level set expectations. It is not what business loves doing, which is here's a request, here's the deadline. Right. N no, that that's not how it works because what you don't understand is your priority is not my priority. Mm -hmm. So I have five other reports that come behind this and I'm more than happy to reprioritize those. If collectively the business says that that's a good idea because there's a finite number of resources that can do a finite number of jobs or, you know, whatever. And that's where getting out ahead of these things in terms of here's a request, here's the process you follow, here's how long it's going to take, then you as a team can say, I have four months of work to do. Any new request that doesn't meet these priority thresholds is not going to get done in this time. I have a problem. I can't execute in like on all of this stuff in the time frame that it makes sense. We need more bodies or whatever the case may be. But if you don't have that dialogue yep. and you don't have that structure, that like this is exactly why you introduce something like data ops into your organization and saying the orchestration piece first of like how do i manage all these requests is probably i would say the number one place that makes the most sense to control the chaos because what you mm -hmm. described and i know this by talking to you a lot yeah. in pre in your past <laughs> is people burn out because it's like, well, everybody has all these expectations. Yes. Bosses have expectations that you're just going to like turn this stuff around that. And it's, it's super easy. And that's not the case. Right. So clearly defining what those were like getting it into these, these steps, which DevOps has s done a fantastic job or some workflow that allows you to manage work and then level set expectations and have the business choose what it wants to prioritize is key in you getting the support that you need from a BI perspective, as well as just being able to articulate how long things are going to take when you deliver. And then your job becomes execution, right? If you say it's going to take, you know, four days, you deliver in four days, right? And that's your litmus of success. And I think that's where putting rigor around, like taking some of the DevOps principles, which is also part of data ops here and introducing those yes. as fast implementations also make sense because you're not going to be able to just like say i'm doing data ops and then like right. <laughs> introduce a three-week delay on every report <laughs> right like business is gonna like tell you to do things with that idea. Well, and that's a huge part too where i think getting out of the scope of we've talked about portals helped us and requests where like helped it, no one would just work on an app if a new request came into a, a development team saying new app request and they had to build a mobile app from the ground up it would have to go through some rigor some priorities some feature sets in terms of what are we going to build what is the priority and what are the important features and I think in the same way, if someone says new report request, right? I don't think it should just fall like, okay, I guess we have two weeks to work on this. Where there should be some intermediate uh, stage of 
depending on the request type or the request that comes from the business, does it then go through either like a template or scoping on what's important? Can we identify the uh, priorities and the features? Mm -hmm. Does the report itself even meet that priority in working with the business? So then the developers can prioritize what they're going to work on their report rather than a, just a new report. A new report could take a day or, you know, it could take a week or two if you're building from the ground up. So, and also the, this goes back to the constant changing goalposts too, where we clearly defining, okay, you want to, based on the request type that comes in, whether it's a power app, uh, a new feature set in the report, data quality, basically saying, what is the expectations? Here's what the features are that's submitted. And that's what we're working towards. I'd be interested in like what you guys take on this, right? Like it's very easy. Let me, let me complete that thought. When I, I've, I've interacted with both sides, working with product for developing and reporting, you know, for as, as a service, right. As, as a external facing customer report, you, you find that you're, you're definitely in these rigor moments. All of this is well-planned, all of it's structured. And those product teams are defining what's important and defining the priorities for what they want built. Yes. In internally, that doesn't exist. Right? Like you have you work with different teams or different teams are requesting um their like their needs to you and they're assigning their priority. It almost seems as though we're missing either maybe in my maybe this exists and in my experience I just haven't interacted with it like a governance piece where all of those those requesters should understand or potentially even have visibility into like what that queue is and let the business fight it out like what the like I like the that. business priorities as a whole should dictate mm -hmm. uh, like potentially depending on like what the needs of the teams are and um, what are the big big movers and shakers or things that we want to accomplish as far as like big organizational goals? All of those should align or or set the priority for things that get done from a finite number of you know technical BI folks that have to go build these things as opposed to you know what we try to do on the side, which is you know teach other people how to do those. But there's always going to be requests that that come into the team to go build things, but there's no, there's, there's none of that, like organi organizing it in a way that um, you don't have that conflict at some point in time where you're kind of trading off between departments or somebody has to choose what the priority is. A couple of things strike me as you make those comments, right? One of them I think is to, to your point directly is there is not a very clear queue of work that is being worked on, and that is very rarely communicated back to anyone asking information about or, or project-based information. I think good teams, or in the larger the teams become, you're able to more clearly communicate, okay, here's my backlog of work, here's the projects I'm working on, and when they'll be delivered, there's like a more of a roadmap. And this is something that I communicate very clearly to clients who are asking about, what does the center of excellence do? I think that's a clear function of people who are participating in the center of excellence inside your your organization, whether it's the BI center of excellence or whatever whatever you want to call it. But that's a team that's taking in those requests and basically grooming them down to um, list out. Okay, here's here are the projects we're working on. Here's what you asked for. Does this fit into our current workflow? And would anyone need to have uh, the priorities of what that request comes into to the central team? would then get funneled up to some sort of executive sponsor. So I think a lot of that effort uh, funnels through there. But what I would also argue too, on smaller organizations, I think this becomes more of a challenge because when there's only one person or two people inside the center of excellence, it's harder to distribute that work across. And the needs of the organization are many. And the organization initially with Power BI, or people that are working with Power BI, the organization initially doesn't have enough people to support all the requests. And so the requests keep coming. And it's just a matter of getting things out the door as fast as you possibly can. And I think that's an under, you know, the, the planning around what work needs to get done to build models and how to release them. Are you using deployment pipelines? How are you going to test, make sure that the data is correct? How are you going to work with multiple teams? I think that becomes more of a challenge the larger um, 
the initiative becomes around Power BI. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, related to this topic, I, I think there's two two different competing things. One is you have no structure. Your your entire job is a dumpster fire because you just get a hundred requests all the time, and you have this backlog that nobody is managing or yep. communicating to the business. And nobody knows, and like I would say, your first job is getting your head around how large that problem is, prioritizing what those things are, and then communicating to your management or the wider organization that there's a deficiency in in being able to execute here. Mm -hmm. Right? We there are, there are too many requests to have one person solve all these things. So yes. what are what are the solutions? If it's not hire somebody, like do we need to train other people? Do we need to hire somebody? Like get to the point where you're recognized as a development team or person and there's a finite number of time and resources so the business has to choose the things it it values the most. Tracking and then is you so have important. to estimate and then you have to execute, right? And I think that's the part where you you have to have a uh, a relationship between the t the business and yourself as opposed to just assuming everybody knows all the work that you're doing because you're not. It doesn't. Yep. And that's you where structures that. structures mm -hmm. like this and just this one component of it help you um, manage that much, much better and deliver in a way that is looked at as a positive thing to recognize all the work you're doing as opposed to a negative like you just can't keep up. And this is also, I think, why the executive sponsor is so important here is because there will be completing com conflicts between two different teams or two different areas of business. I need data this way, or I need these five reports, and another business, I need these reports. Both business units are going to say my reports and my data is most important to them because that's what they care about. So someone, there's only one person or a team of people that can output the information. Someone has to decide, we're going to do this team first, and we're going to do this team second because that aligns to our strategic goals of our company. So at some level, someone has to say no or not now. We will get to it. It's going to be in the queue. And I think to your point there, Seth, like having the business be able to ask for those things is good, but you do need someone at that VP or higher level, that, that executive sponsor level, that's really able to set direction for that team. So that way you can have, you know, background around what data ops would look like. And then yeah, I think, I, I mean, but that could also be managed at, at the team level too, right? It's just operational efficiency, right? Like how, like what, what are your, what can your expectations be of my team? Um, whether that goes higher, like I, it, it can, right? But I don't I think I don't it know. should. I, mean, I think if well, you listen to, if you look, if you read the Microsoft documentation, like they're very clear about like having that executive sponsor is very key to participating in that central BI team or the COE. Oh, or whatever that's going to be looking like at the same point too though um like we do the business is such an essential part because like let's take it talk about all the tests and all the process um the process that you would have if you if the business doesn't know what the numbers should be let's say again like uh some of the examples in that data ops uh kitchen like uh growth targets based on like uh, total sales or uh like the whatever the customer member count would be right if we we could just do a count on a data set or a count on a table but it also needs to be verified in some way so who's do or is especially with power bi is the developer doing all the testing or because we can use the tools of power bi can we utilize a scorecard where hey you input what you what you see the customer count or you know uh whatever your the metric is where that number is coming from and that's what we'll try to match to and, well, then, and that's uh, that's a good point though because data ops is part of data ops is around the data quality portion right so that's part of and that's where the testing i right. think comes into place so like i mean you can do the data modeling you can get it as close as you want but you need either someone either it's the developer and again i think this is back to your point seth right the organization has to define okay where does quality come from is there a team that's dedicated to data, doing data quality and they're figuring things out and you're basically pushing to that team okay this this model's ready to go check the quality of this report i think that's something you definitely want to do it could be even representatives from that business unit hey you've told me what you think we need to do what we need to do with the data we've engineered some information in the data model here you go mr business unit it's up to you to vet the quality of the data and i think it really is important from like a data stewardship standpoint is to get skin in the game from people who are actually going to consume the model to make sure that they are checking it like they're looking at it they're not just sitting there 
well, this is not right. You know, I can't, I can't verify this. Like you want someone's skin in the game to help get that data model over the, over the, the, the right. goalposts. Go check it. <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because we, we should have just, we should have just put data ops in intro because there's like 189 page book, <laughs> like all this stuff. And we're just like very on the cursory talking through, um, you know, all the, the different, different pieces components of, it. of it. There's, there's a obviously a lot in here. Um, are there any, like, since we're condensed in an intro, are there any core components, Tommy, that like, like our reflector come out of this, that, that we should be like honed in on or focused? I would say, I mean, honestly, I would love to see a better, like a platform for testing. But to me, what really stands out is where we can apply this from a, take the DevOps and agile development is really creating a expectations around iterations. What do iterations look like for a report development for a power BI developer? What does a feature set or feature request look like for a new report um, all from the data model all the way to the bookmarks or what they actually want to see? Um, and what do in a sense, those quick wins or uh, like, you know, in terms of the output, really look like one of the big things too i we didn't mention is what about roi on a report what about roi on the on the output that we're doing how do we actually measure that and i think that's something that we really don't do um or at least we don't hear enough about is we're building this re particular report or this model can we estimate what we think or can we then measure what the roi is of building it I think I like this section of the of the book until you're I kind of to jump onto that point as well, Tommy. Yeah. You're around 30 page, I guess, page 35. You know, data ops is just not DevOps for data. And so I, I do really like this diagram that they produce here. There's there's a development side of things and then there's an operational side of things, right? You have like, and I think when I think of data, I think of like, you know, really high level here. There's a pipeline of how we're getting information connecting to a source or sources inside that source. We're connecting to that source. We're doing some kind of ideating development engineering work on top of that data. And then you're moving that, that data from, okay, now that I've got the development done, I need to then productionalize or distribute or move this out into an area where more people can consume it. And then ultimately the, the end of what, all we're doing here is add value. So yes. basically starting with data and at the end of the pipeline, there is real value being added for someone. And that could be value in like, I just need access to the information or I need insights or you know something I can go look at a single visual and take action on immediately or go do something yeah. else because that's gonna trigger my action. Like one thing that I look at very frequently is like, you know, simple example, our YouTube analytics. What are we doing? Do we have any good thumbnails? Are there any mm -hmm. videos that are like, more popular than others, what did we do? So I'm always constantly looking at that, trying to say, okay, what actions can I take away from insights about the information that I can go do to, to produce the value that I want long-term? Or, you know, that, that could be in anything. So I think I think the, the, the data to value story is what we're talking about. And the data ops is just a kind of an, in, an interesting way of incorporating techniques from agile. It's, it's incorporating things from a development pipeline. It's talking about operational things. So there's a lot of like good concepts that come along with this. Um, the, the, the point where I just think about it on this one is I just get, sometimes I get overwhelmed by all of this because I think there, there can be so much. You can mm -hmm. go so far into the weeds on things here um, that it's, it's sometimes it's daunting to figure out which, are the, which is the most important pieces of data ops that you need to pluck and use inside any one of your processes, whatever that looks like. Yeah, I, I mean, overall for me, I like the, I like the framework of this. You know, having guiding principles of things that you would want to keep in mind or implement in different ways mm -hmm. is hugely valuable. How yeah. you go about doing that, I think, is the the challenge here, because in in any process, and if we're talking about a BI, BI team, the the more complicated that process, the more prone to error that process is, right? So mm -hmm. just because you've found a way to do some one-off niche thing, are, 
have I trained my developers to do that? Right. Do they understand how to use that tool? Like you're adding complexity to all of this because we're forced to versus DevOps being, I have a code base, I have structures and these systems that are designed to make this simplify, like simple automate deploy, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are gates and, and that I work within an ecosystem. Right now we don't have an ecosystem. So I think that's what makes it challenging. I think, honestly, I, I will probably, I'd like to spend more time talking about this in, in certain like areas and snippets um, because I think all of these principles make a ton of sense. Even as I was reading through them, all of the challenges that I've had, you know, even recently, like all of them are repeated over and mm -hmm. over and over. Mm -hmm. And you can find yourself doing the same mistakes, which is also justification for why this makes sense to do it upfront. Agreed. It's just, it's just figuring out where and how to implement in such a way that the business says, yeah, like I either I want to invest in this thing that you're telling me, or I'm willing to not invest in it and take the risk of not doing that. And and I think ultimately the more Ooh, I get into point. conversations around why we force certain standards on teams or um, go down these paths is it's not it's not my job to like tell the business what it has to invest in, but it is my job to tell them like what are the things that they could do if they wanted the best product, right? And we mm -hmm. talk about this all the time. Am I producing the the one hundred percent? The answer to that question is no. Like ninety nine percent of the time, it's no, because to get to a hundred percent takes you know a whole lot of two effort. weeks, right? How yeah. how can like business is usually I want ninety five percent. Okay, well that's only one week, right? We can knock off all of this other time, mm -hmm. but understand you're not getting one hundred percent, and what that means is you're opening the door to. 5% risk. If you're okay with that, then fine. We Hold don't on. need to do this. Yes. Thing, right. And I, like I think that. that's where that conversation has to come into play. When you're talking about these ideas of creating the best and most reproducible thing with a ton of manual steps in between, right. And a bunch of time investment, is that worth the business? And that's where I think diving more into this for me is going to be um, valuable to like, Hey, how does this, how does this relate to, you know, things I could further develop within my team to make it better versus what are the pain points or pinch points where I have to say, I'm going to have to ask a business whether or not they want us to invest in this because like this one's going to take a, a lot more time than the other ones would. I'm trying to materialize what you're saying there to a couple of key nuggets for me. I found it sounds like, or I feel like what I'm kind of landing on is data ops is a process of balancing or reducing risk. Mm-hmm. I think that that kind of feels like where I'm going to that's, land on some like part of this topic. Yeah, but I, I like this topic. I think this is really good. I don't, and I think the trend of the technology is the trend of Power BI. It is very business user centric. It's it's like you know for the frontline workers. It's for people who are like very comfortable in Excel. People who are able to do data things on their own, giving more data power to the people. Right. I, I think that's great. But I think with this comes risks that, you know, if without a rigorous process, you're going to get a wide variety of answers to various questions because the data can be manipulated any which way. So I think, I think the further we push this data into the hands of the, the business side, because the technology is increasing, making it easier for you to get to that answer, the more it'll be challenging to balance those risk, those risk elements. Cool. Really good topic today. Sorry, I was a little bit slow getting started here today, but we got we got it done. Uh, for those of you who have been joining the podcast, we appreciate you and your listenership. We would love for you to share or distribute this podcast. Um, if you have someone that you like or found someone you're working through with data um, data ops, excuse me, I had a sneeze. Um, if if someone you're working with data ops, uh, feel free to share them this this uh, episode. We'd love for you to share this with somebody else. That's really only our our main request is if you like the content we produce here. Share with somebody else and let them know that you uh, found some value from it and build a process around it. Build a process around your sharing uh, data ops, how you share, so that way people can get regular and high quality updates of your how content. You produce. Yeah, how do you how do you produce good recommendations? 
anyways with that tommy where else can you find the podcast you can find the podcast anywhere it's available apple spotify google Podcasts, overcast make sure to subscribe and leave a rating uh if you want to join the conversation live you can do so every tuesday and thursday 7 30 a.m central thank you all very much and we'll catch you next time